0: Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of the Ninja Tune podcast, where we're going to be discussing the music industry's response to the climate emergency and what urgently needs to be done to help fix the crisis i'm journalist and broadcaster kate hutchinson and i'm joined by peter quick the ninja tune md and co-founder of music declares emergency faye milton from the band savages and also of music declares emergency and Chiara badiali from julie's bicycle the leading global charity bridging the gap between environmental sustainability and the creative industries how are you all doing good good yeah did i miss anything
1: we're all founders, actually. You're
0: yeah. all founders. Yeah. There we go. You're all founders of Music Declares Emergency. Well, I guess we should start off with, can you tell us a bit about what Music Declares Emergency actually it actually is? What are you doing?
1: After the April rebellion, Extinction Rebellion, we all realised that we had to do something within our own worlds and that we all worked in music. So we we had to develop a response to the climate crisis and, and, uh, and there are lots of... Lots of parts of that.
2: Yeah, um, I think one of the ways we looked at it was that there needed to be a bridge between the climate movement and the music industry because there's this sort of big pit in the middle where everyone's worrying about their own impact and feeling like they can't speak out because of hypocrisy and all these kind of things. So we, we sort of put ourselves in the middle of that to try and have those conversations.
3: And for us, as a charity, I think that has been working in that space for more than 10 years now, I think it's feeling that incredible energy and momentum of this moment and how the climate crisis really is coming through to consciousness in the industry, and how we really support that moment and, and break through to the kind of action that we need.
0: Can I just ask, what were your all what were the individual moments that you all had where you thought, "I've got to do something about this. I cannot let the climate crisis just pass me by anymore?"
1: Um, I mean, I think it was Extinction Rebellion. We've all been worried about the climate for years, and you sort of think that something will happen and there'll be a solution. And then, Extinction Rebellion's message was so clear that that we're disaster's coming, and we have to do something. We have to we have to act. So, and I mean, I've got two children, and I f- I feel like I have to do something. I have to do everything I can to, to, to rescue the world that they're going to live in.
2: What about you, Faye? Yeah, similar. I mean, I think, as Peter said, we've probably all been thinking about it for quite a long time. But before Extinction Rebellion came along, it felt like that energy didn't have anywhere to go. And it was also quite hard to know who else was thinking the same things. But that's what that moment created, was finding all of those people who are like-minded. And then once you get together, you can start to actually do, do stuff.
0: I mean, you're in the unique position of being an artist. Have you noticed a sort of reticence among your... Or did you notice a reticence among your fellow musicians at the beginning? Or, and have you noticed a change at all?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first started sort of seriously worrying about climate and asking to change our tour routings and stuff like that, um, I think everyone thought I was a bit mad um, but now I think having those conversations, hopefully people, you know, that's a real conversation that's happening all over the place. So that's that has changed quite a lot.
3: I think, yeah, it's a really noticeable shift, I think, for us as well. Our work used to be banging on doors and kind of going, guys, this is really important. You have to do something. You know, you can't you can't just keep ignoring it or sort of worry, pretend that you're going to do something tomorrow. Um, and that really has shifted. It feels like the door's
0: flown wide open. Um How long have you been, has Julie's Bicycle been working on trying to bring sustainable practices into the working environment?
3: Um, So we've been at it for about 12 years. Um, Julie's Bicycle was originally founded actually from within the UK music industry um, after, you know, An Inconvenient Truth came out originally. And I think there was a first moment where it sort of almost broke through. People started thinking, oh God, we have to do something. What do we do? Who's going to tell us what to do? Um, and and Judy's bicycle came out of that, but I think the next f- or the following few years, it, it sort of got subsumed in the economic crisis and a lot of other concerns. And it, it's only really been in the past year or two that that it's yeah that it's become uh, full of this new energy.
1: Yeah, well, um, twelve years ago, or ten years ago, eleven years ago, Julie's bicycle published some research about CD jewel cases and how polluting they were. footprint to make them and that they're non-recyclable and so we ninja tune stopped using jewel cases from from that point on we only use card sleeves but as you say after we we did that and we've done a few little things but but feeling the kind of urgency to to bring it into every area of your operation hasn't really happened until very recently
0: well the momentum is definitely you know growing it's there you've had 2,727 organisations, artists and individuals even, sign up so far, from Annie Lennox to Jarvis Cocker, from Shabaka Hutchings to 1975. I mean, that's massive. 750 organisations and 590 music industry individuals. How far is left to go in terms of music companies and getting artists to sign up and get involved and labels such as Ninja Tune?
1: I mean, there's a long way left. Well, I mean, a lot of labels have signed up but actually the next the challenge is what do we do next how do we how do we clean up our own act and how do we communicate and create the change necessary in the culture around us to for, for so that the whole um system changes
2: yeah i would agree with that i think it's as i i was saying my own personal experience of it before is finding those people who are also like minded it's we've now identified you know 3000 plus sign ups i think it is now since uh, the numbers that you have on your sheet—a uh, total three thousand. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps growing and yeah. growing. So, um, yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's identifying those people, and then we can start putting the right people in the right rooms to have the right conversations, and just that just creates so much more momentum. For yeah, people feeling like they have to do things alone. Yeah.
3: It, is, it really is that power of bringing everyone together. I think, you know, so many of the conversations that we used to have, they ended this dead end where businesses didn't necessarily feel like they could do something because the artists weren't asking for it, or so they said, and the artists said, you know, but it's all down to the businesses. And actually what Music Declares Emergency is hopefully doing is bringing all of those bits and pieces together and saying, actually, this is something we all care about. So how do we move forward as one community?
1: Yeah, and I, I, another thing is that artists obviously have a very delicate relationship with their fans. They they don't want to ask too much of them or, or Hector them with with uh, demands. So artists don't really want to speak out that that loudly generally because they don't want to be accused of being hypocrites or or telling people what to do when they're going on tour, etc., etc. So. And obviously that's a sort of negative cycle and we need to break that and we need to help artists break that.
0: Do you have any suggestions for how? I think in part
3: it's, um, it's knowing that some people are going to call you a hypocrite no matter what you do and you either let that silence you or you step past it and you go actually this is way more important and we're all in this together and you know what, if you're going to call me a hypocrite I you know, I'd rather be a hypocrite but doing something than standing on the sidelines just shouting at others who
2: are trying. Yeah, and I think also sort of just communicating some basic information such as it's actually um, much greater emissions from fans travelling to shows than it is from the artist going place to place um, on tour. So it's, it's not maybe people's perception of what the problems are isn't actually reflecting reality. So it's just sort of putting that inf- information out there.
0: I definitely want to get into the sort of nitty-gritty of what artists can do, what businesses can be doing, what individuals can be doing. But first, I just, I just wonder whether... You know you mentioned inconvenient truths, Kiara, and I just wondered, for people maybe that aren't so sure, what are the music industry's inconvenient truths? I mean, we know that, that touring has a massive environmental impact, but what about everything else? And how does the music industry industry even compared to like say the film industry is it better is it worse
3: i think it's asking that's slightly asking the wrong question
0: because we as
3: as an industry the music industry is part of the same kind of business models and industries that have brought us to this place that we're in now um and to get out of it every single business and industry has a part to play I think if you just look at, you know, the direct carbon footprint of the music industry, it doesn't really compare to something like heavy manufacturing. But what we do have um, that, you know, uniquely is, is this amazing community of fans and people that we speak to every day. So the real potential that is there is, you know, how do we create the kinds of spaces and venues and festivals that model the kind of world that we want to see out there and so that when the fans come to us, you know, they feel the possibility of things being different. Um, And then also, again, you know, giving artists that support so that artists can stand there and be proud of an industry that is aware of its impacts and is doing everything that it can um, to address the climate crisis.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the purpose, really, of us reducing our emissions. The music industry's emissions are tiny compared to most industries, just because we're, we're not a very large industry. But if we if we if we make ourselves clean, then then we can we can speak out and demand that others do the same, and, and and artists can be confident that they can speak out, knowing that they're they're making a difference in their own lives as well as as well as in their communication.
0: What are some of the things that artists could be doing now as part of Music Declares Emergency to
2: reduce their carbon footprint, to invite more sustainable practice into their work? I think the the most important thing an artist can do at this particular moment in time is to speak up and speak out about the climate and ecological emergency. It's it's quite like moment specific. 2020 is not 2019 there was a huge amount of awareness raised but that needs to be pushed further. There's um a lot of people are not sure whether they support the climate movement or not. They see you know sort of conflicting views so it's supporting that movement, supporting people who are trying to make change. And that's I think because we don't have a lot of time to fix things, it's concentrating on what's the particular most important thing you can do in one moment. And for an artist that's definitely communication.
3: I think it is it's speaking out. <clears throat> speaking out and demanding action. It's sort of you, you know, inspiring the fans, asking politicians for action, which can sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable, but ultimately that is also where some of the change is gonna have to come from. And it is asking the industry to take action um, because, again, you end up in that sort of double bind of the artist feeling quite powerless. And actually, you do have the power. You know, ask why aren't all of our venues powered by renewable electricity yet? Um, that's well should be well within reach in 2020.
1: So. Yeah, and well, why aren't all the touring trucks and buses running on hydrogen fuel cells? And and why haven't we found a sustainable um, form of air travel? Again, the, these are these are the questions to answer, not really, you know, why a is choosing to tour or choosing to fly.
0: Mm. It's, I, I interviewed uh, Caribou, the artist Dan Snaith, recently, and we were talking a lot about what he's been doing um, and his band have been doing, you know, in their small way to help try and improve things. And they're, they're doing something where they've partnered with plusone.org, which is where you, you add $1 to every ticket sold and then you consult with, you know, they're consulted on how best to sort of spend that money and what cause to donate that to. What's your kind of take on that sort of offsetting movement that seems to be growing in momentum? It is still um, a, a sometimes dangerous
3: conversation if we just um, try to pay off our sins Um, which quite often is still what it is. Um, And realistically, we are also at a point where we do have to reduce emissions quite quickly. Um, So, you know, within within that, it's also not just looking at offsets directly. It is also looking at, okay, if I am going to put a financial value on my emissions, can I give it to a charity or to another organisation that's maybe making change... little bit differently. Um, So it's, you know, do you invest it in renewable energy? Do you invest it in something like community energy that actually gives back ownership of energy to communities and and creates a whole new different economy? Do you you support uh, environmental defenders who are often on the front lines of things like deforestation? Do you support... So any of the um, legal challenges that are being brought around the world um, to change policy, all of those things are really, really important and they're all things that have to be done. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's understanding your power as an artist and then um, deciding what you want to do with that. And if you are going to put money somewhere, deciding what you want to support.
1: Yeah, so we will, offsetting will have to be part of the solution, you know, paying to, to keep the forests and, ki- and plant trees etc 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 and renewable energy but yeah we do have to reduce our our emissions first that has to be the focus and, and campaigning as and speaking out as Faye says. So-
2: yeah I've got a, a really sort of simplistic way of looking at it and Kiara might think this is uh, maybe not that spot on but I just see it as like okay planting trees is great obviously but we've got sort of 10 years and trees take what 30 years to grow so it's like okay look at it that way what if you do want to offset? There are some great um, charities, but you could also look into climate justice causes and activism causes that might have a more immediate impact.
3: Exactly. I think that's, that's the danger at the moment. As So much of that money is, is often going into causes that is not making the difference today that we need to happen today. You know, we had to reduce emissions 10 years ago and globally we're still not on the downward curve. So paying for something to happen in 10 years time
0: for emissions that we're still making today is just not good enough. I get it, I get it. The, the New Yorker, I think, referred to it as greenwashing, this idea that, you know, there's a dangerous sense of acquittal in offsetting, but you guys are more about direct action. On Music Declares Emergency website, there's something about actions, that individual. what individuals can be doing is to participate in actions. What does that mean?
1: One of the best ways to get involved in this and to radicalise yourself, actually, is to start making actions with other people, joining Extinction Rebellion, joining... Fridays for Futures and and so I think that's the point once you start acting you make you your actions multiply you bring other people in and you start doing more yourself.
3: I'd agree it's it's about asking change it's yeah either by taking to the streets by writing to your politicians by making sure that politicians know that you know you want them to
2: take climate action Um, yeah. It's yeah it's really important to understand as well that if if you're feeling powerless and you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out by the climate emergency and all of the sort of scary things we see happening, actually taking action, being with other people and getting involved, it really helps to ease that anxiety and ease that pain. So, yeah, it's, it's good for you, good for your soul to do it.
1: Exactly, well. because it, it, every, most people want to take action, but or most people want to do something about the climate crisis, but we're, we're actually scared because it seems overwhelming you know we're actually overwhelmed with grief actually uh, i think that's an, a real aspect of people's response to this and 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 taking action is a way as Faith says of of dealing with that
0: Well, let's talk about some of those uh, practicalities. We talked a little bit about what artists should be doing, about speaking up, what individuals can do. What about businesses? What should record labels, festivals, promoters, what can they be doing? What are you you guys talking about? What have you come up with?
1: Well, I mean, we're making, we're trying to make lots of, we are making lots of changes uh, in our premises. We've put solar panels on, we've put on the roof to generate electricity. We've insulated the, the roof we we're um you know we're doing all the recycling and those sorts of things. We're gonna remove our central heating and put in gas central heating and put in mechanical air ventilation air source heat pump. And um and we're going to, we're reducing the amount of air freight um hopefully to zero soon. So for that's that's for shipping records from the manufacturing plant to the to the distributors and the stores.
0: So, do you mean that instead of just um, distributing from one warehouse in, say, the UK, you might also produce some records or some some stock in in the US as well or in Europe and reduce it,
1: exactly? Yeah, we we're, we're starting to do that. Yeah, press records in Europe and in America, so we don't have to ship across the Atlantic. But the because because of the dynamic of the music industry, artists make their records and they go on tour and record labels have to get records out on time so that they're in, in time for the tours. So there, there is a pressure to get your records around the world very quickly. And air freighting is, is one of the big sins of the, the record industry and we, we need to reduce that. And pressing in different countries is a way of doing that. And obviously sea freighting is another way of doing that.
0: So could this potentially sort of limit the last minute album drop you know there's always for, for journalists like me there's always a sort of um, you know panic scramble on a friday when an artist des- decides to sort of surprise you know uh, bomb their record could that potentially limit that from happening and there'd be a longer sort of release schedule almost
1: yeah i mean that is already happening you know records are delayed so that re- the, the physical records can can come out at the same time as the digital releases but it's it's we need to work out how we can manufacture and distribute records in the in the most sustainable way as well.
3: I think across all businesses, um, you know, th- there's a, a couple of principles to live by and the first one is to make a commitment in terms of really building it into the decisions that are made so that there is a green champion, there is, you know, you do have senior management who are committed, who want to take action. Um, there's measuring so there is data collection it can be quite boring and quite technical but it does help you figure out you know where your impacts are and what the most impactful thing is that you can do and it keeps you accountable to say okay we have reduced by this much you know we are on the right track um and and yeah taking action across the board to reduce whether that is around um renewable energy is a really big one because we know that so much uh, climate change is ultimately driven by our dependence on fossil fuels so we have to change the way
0: that we power our buildings and we do have to look at transport as well yeah so just switching but... energy supplier could be one simple solution for a business listening to this definitely
3: yeah
1: everyone needs to do that it's so easy it costs almost nothing and so you have to do it one one little thing we started doing or we're starting to do is to not shrink wrap our records and um it's tight i mean the, the emissions from shrink wrap are tiny i mean and you can recycle some of it but obviously a lot of it doesn't it ends up in landfill but the opportunity actually is to communicate to people saying we're not shrink wrapping this record because we want to protect the planet and if there's a little dink in the sleeve don't take it back because the record inside will be perfect in, in any case, you don't need a perfect sleeve, and uh, and so you're communicating about the environment, about sustainability, on every record you sell. That's something we're going to have to start doing.
0: That's really interesting. I think some people listening might be thinking, "Well, does, do we have to stop production on vinyl altogether? Is 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 making records uneco-friendly?" What what would you say to that?
1: We, there is a footprint from making records, and we'd, we're going to have to deal with that. We have to reduce the footprint, and we probably will have to do some offsetting with that. But, uh, I mean, the answer may be that streaming is there's a lower f- footprint from streaming. But, of course, there is a footprint for streaming. There's a lot of electricity in the servers and the Internet in between and your own devices. So um, we'd, we'd have to deal with that as well.
0: Are there any other uh, practical things that businesses and offices can be can be doing? Train travel, I think that was one of the things you mentioned in your. You did a talk, Peter, um, during the AIM Connected conference, where you delivered these sort of three spheres, right?
1: Yeah. So that that was just the idea that that that's that how do you connect um, individual responsibility to systemic change because actually it's not our individual responsibility to change the system we're just a small part of that and so um the three spheres idea was that you the first sphere is your own actions the second sphere is 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 persuading your those around you your suppliers your commercial partners to change their actions which has a multiplying effect to your own actions and then from there um Changing the culture and communicating the need to the whole world that we need to change.
2: It's a change in attitude. Things like who are you partnering with, with as brands? Who are you? What are you representing? Even that can go for an artist or a label. Are you presenting this sort of high carbon, high consumption um, lifestyle? Is that okay? Like think about that. Is that is that what we really need right now, or do we need to sort of be looking into? Um, sort of more sustainable ways of promoting... promoting our lifestyles. Sorry, I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I think you know, we're, we're living in a world where musicians and artists and brand spo- sponsorships spawn, they call it, don't they? Hashtag spawn. You know, that's part of our culture. That's part of our internet kind of lives and, and, and that's sort of become so embedded in in how we sort of operate as creatives or as businesses. So starting to readdress how we think mm. about those things is, is incredibly important. It, yeah, it's
2: not like those things really make people happy you know they're they're kind of gross things that everyone finds a bit uncomfortable all of these brand partnerships and and all of this kind of stuff so maybe it's a a sort of perspective change on those things as well I mean I think it's if you if you sort of look at you know the music industry or music we all we all
3: Believe and, and definitely want to believe that it is it's a force for good in the world and we do have the power to change the world. So, in the context of a climate crisis, what does that mean? Like, what do we stand for? That's
0: the question, mm. and that's the that's the shift that we need. Yeah, I think one, I I do find it overwhelming. But one thing that I personally would just love is for there to be some kind of toolkit where I could go online and go okay so here is where I get my sustainable merch from and it might mean that I lose this mm. but you know I gain that um, and and this is where I can um, plan a sort of sustainable tour diary and, and whether there was some kind of portal that brought all these different disparate elements together is that something that you guys are considering? So Julie's Bicycle has quite a lot of it. Um
3: it's sort of we have a lot of free guides and resources on the Julie's Bicycle website, um, for everything from touring to, you know, the, the stuff you buy to energy management for festivals, um and a, a carbon calculator that we built specifically for the music industry and music community. Um and I think through Music Declares that the real opportunity now is to update all of that and bring it out again. But
2: yeah there is a one-stop shop. Yeah, (laughs) and that's something definitely that we want to work towards, making really, really accessible and really easy to understand for people who just are busy... And they just want to be told what to do because that's what we've been found, finding from a lot of our communications. People are like, I want to do something, but what? And I don't have that much time to think about it.
1: And we do have a list of actions on the Music Declares website, musicdeclares.net. dot net. So you scroll down to the action section, and there's a there's a what you can do as a label or an artist or a venue or. So there's there are some there. They're not perfect, but there are some initial suggestions mm. for. Um, for actions, but they're going to be improved.
2: Yeah, we're working it's on that through through
3: 2020. It's a process, I think. This is the thing. Sometimes people just want to do one thing and say, OK, I'm really green now. And actually what, what we've entered is like a new time of the time of the climate crisis. And so how we respond to that is is going to keep evolving and it's going to keep changing day after day after day.
1: We all have to make choices in every area of our life. When we buy our food, when we buy our, our transport, when we buy... And and we have to do it in music. Are we going to buy records? Are we, uh, are we going to stream records? How are we going to stream them? What, uh,
0: Should we stop going to gigs? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> is the, is, absolutely the, is not. the era of live music and touring over, no. is it done? <laughs> absolutely
1: not. No, because there's no point in saving the world if we're miserable, is it? <laughs> yeah, actually, actually. So we, we have to i
3: think you know it's it's sort of it's always funny when people say that because the the music industry and the way that we tour and present music it's always shifted and changed based on mm. you know what we've wanted to build as an industry so it might look different and it might feel different or no it might look different but i don't think it's ever going to feel different we'll st- yeah. we're still going to want to come together and see music that's sort mm. of so core yeah. to, and also, to our it, existence
1: it's sort of it's a tiny question. The real question is what is the what's the government going to do? Is it going to tax carbon? Is it going to tax air fuel? Is it going to to force industries to become green? Is it going to stop uh, banks and pensioned companies investing in fossil fuel is it and uh, so there i mean there are much much bigger questions. We should all listen to music if that helps us. Helps us campaign in the right way, then then we should have whatever emissions we want on music. Actually,
2: yeah, absolutely, and I, I think it shouldn't be seen as like and this sort of really depressing thing of cutting things out of your life until there's nothing left and you just <laughs> sit in a box and do nothing all day. It's uh, actually like restrictions can be really really useful for creativity, so for um, creating new ways of doing things and pushing things forward. Things never going to stay the same. That's just part of how things are so yeah there can be lots of new possibilities opening up
0: so it doesn't matter if Coldplay never tour again it's really what the government (laughs) decides to do um you guys have obviously all been working closely together on music declares emergency and a few uh, weeks ago you went to the european parliament to discuss these issues what was the outcome of that and what were you bringing to them to the table
1: um that was just it was a beginning of a conversation and a sort of meeting of minds realizing that Franz Timmermans is he's he's spearheading the EU green deal in Europe which means that they want Europe to be net zero by 2050 and we're obviously pushing for for 2030 and he he totally understands that 2050 uh, is too late but yeah, he, I, but I, it's I think just... their
2: conversation is changing actually to to actually look at 2030 Yeah. the
1: so we'll be meeting him again. Julie's bicycle. We're uh, setting up. Um, well, we need to have high-level sort of policy talks about what what the what are the right policies to bring in because that's that's really what Franz Timmermans' role is.
0: So you're you're talking. Um, just to simplify it a little bit, about creating uh, one framework for the music industry, kind of touching on a lot of the things that we've touched on, what businesses can do, what artists can do, what individuals can do. How possible is it to create one framework? What are the
2: challenges within that? I I just wanted to just adapt what what you just said, because I think a big part of the conversation was how can music and culture create the right environment for radical change mm. and because whether it's 2050 or 2030 hopefully 2030 but it's still either way it's an enormous amount of change needs to happen and to have culture and people's sort of horrible phrase but like hearts and minds on side is a really big part of that and, and that's one of the ways that um we're discussing sort of how can music play a part in creating that positivity around that. That's a, So a
0: mandate that every label has to re, uh, release a climate change album. No
1: god, no, be so bad. <laughs> every
0: month.
3: No, I, every I think label. you know it's it's interesting because the the default so often is you're like yeah where's your climate change song and it's sort of there's the 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 art that gets created is not the only way that any of us communicate and I think that's the really important thing. So. Um, you know an artist coming out and saying they're not going to tour anymore it's not so much about the tour that isn't happening but it is about the conversation that Mm. that opens up same thing with a venue putting solar panels on it's not just about the energy um, that that gets generated for that single venue but it's also that venue saying hey we're for this we want to build this new renewable future
1: Uh, yeah and and other people listening to that and thinking oh yeah I've got to do something what can I do that, yeah. that's the real point isn't it that everybody st- starts thinking about the, the climate and ecological crisis in everything that they do so every decision they make that's a factor yeah
2: and what, what we perceive to be common sense isn't just set as one thing um, and what we see as common sense now is going to seem absolutely ludicrous in 50 years down the line so it's like creating that new sense of common sense of like of course venues have to be powered by green energy of course I mean, it feels like that already when you, you look at the venue at the end of a gig and there's single-use plastic all over the floor. And I think a lot of people have already moved on from that high-level consumption of plastic or at least are trying to. And that already is becoming a, a thing that's really uncomfortable to see and uncomfortable to consume at a gig, for example. So it's creating those kind of changes that then become common sense that, and then feed into everywhere else in life.
3: Yeah, it's bringing together that whole experience because I get that so often. You go to a venue and it's like it's almost the grief because you know that it could be better and it's like you, <laughs> but it's like oh god, how do we? Yeah, how do we change this? Please, can we push for it? And then sometimes stuff happens really, really quickly. You know, five, six years ago, there weren't really any suppliers of things like reusable cups for festivals in the UK, and if you talk to an organizer, they're like, oh, I don't know, this is really difficult. And now, it's become really normal to go to an event and use your reusable cup and that's happened really really quickly
0: can i ask you guys a question about diversity because um i so i hosted a rebel radio uh show i was part of the extinction rebellions rebel radio um that's how we met peter and faye actually Thank faye you were the roving reporter weren't you and um it was brilliant but what that that kept cropping up time and time again was how do we include people of colour? How do we make sure that um, you know people from all different backgrounds are not excluded from this conversation? Do you have you had those conversations or started to have those conversations within Music Declares Emergency?
2: Can that can I rephrase the question because I think it's really if I find it really uncomfortable to say how can we include you know other people and that's really othering to different groups I feel like maybe we need to be the ones to work out how we can connect and join in with already existing um, social and climate and uh, environmental groups and campaigns that are already existing within those demographics and it's like how can we join in with you know how can we become part of that rather than how can do you, do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's a great I, way of looking at it.
3: I agree with Faye completely. I mean, it's, it's amazing because so often, you know, it's actually, it's a failure to recognise the conversations and the actions that are already happening mm. in other communities. It's not that they're not there. It's just that for some reason they haven't been seen or haven't been heard in certain circles. So it really is about how do you listen, how do you recognise, how do you empower what's there already.
0: Great. Kiara, Julie's Bicycle is undertaking a study is that correct to figure out the five easiest changes in the music industry can make to improve its footprint you're (laughs) giggling (laughs) um yes so we
3: we work um we work with different businesses and groups of businesses and we're working on a project at the moment with the association of independent music spearheaded by peter uh, among others um to look specifically at independent labels within that um and what they can do what what the footprint is yeah that's fantastic
1: yeah so five labels looking at everything they do and and what the footprint of those things are and so trying to work out what actually are the the most polluting things we're doing rather than just thinking oh that we this would be better having some evidence about what we can do and then then that's uh, provides some suggestions and a toolkit for for all record labels
0: that sounds super exciting. When is that underway at the moment? When's that going to be published? We're just starting
1: know? it, yeah.
0: Oh, right. Right at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of really good work to build on.
3: I think what what Ninja Toon have done already, um, you know, th- there's been past work um, with other labels, um, although not recently. Um, And then also in other parts of the industry, you know, for example, in the in the festival sector, they've been measuring some of their impacts for for years. And so we, you know, it's again, it's looking at all the different parts. What can we do? um, What's going to be most effective?
0: What about individuals? You know, how can we kind of positively reinforce what's going on, what we see out there? Yeah, If if you're a fan and you see your favourite artist
3: speak out or your favourite label or or venue um, about the climate emergency or or any other environmental issues, you know, get in there. Let them know that you stand with them um, because so often those statements bring out the people who are like, oh, you know, why are you talking about politics? And actually, you know, reinforce them. Let them know that, that, yeah, what they're doing is great. Good
0: old-fashioned support. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So (laughs) important. Definitely. Definitely. So what's next? What else is next?
1: COP twenty six. We're going to smash down the doors.
0: Can you just? Can you just? <laughs> wow, yeah, that's to look. Can you just demystify what the Bank of England's COP twenty six agenda is about?
2: I um, <laughs> to see you, so, Peter. So,
1: <laughs> uh, well, Kiara probably knows most about this, but I mean, office, the Bank of England are being being. Very welcomely outspoken about what's what's the, what businesses need to do.
3: So yeah, I, I think if we if we rewind a little, so COP twenty six is a technical jargon for what's called the Conference of the Parties, um, which is not actually a party but it's the international climate talks that the UN organises every year. So it's the 26th edition of those climate talks, um, which is how long governments across the world have been trying to negotiate some kind of agreement and action. Um, and so this year really is a make or break year for how those climate talks go. We, we got, in 2015, we got the Paris Agreement, which was the first international agreements that all governments signed up to, to keep global warming to below 2 degrees better yet, 1.5 degrees Celsius. Um, and we're not on track for that, um, even though we have the agreement at the moment that commitments that governments around the world have made um, still put us on track for at least three degrees of warming, um, maybe more if we hit certain tipping points. So, you know, this year is the year where all governments have been asked to step up ambition and come with new climate plans that really get us onto the, onto the path that we have to be. So all eyes are going to be, on Glasgow um, for the talks. Um, And what is encouraging this time is that you do have financial institutions, you do have people like the Bank of England really trying to rally their own communities to push for the kind of decisive action that's needed and for the ambition that's needed. Um, But
2: we we have a long way to go. Yeah, we're trying to um, just get our message out loud and clear and sort of draw attention so people realise how important this moment is. And sort of put all eyes on world governments to to do something and make some really positive commitments at that event.
1: So that yeah, there'll be some there'll be some music declares events or or events that we're involved in around and before COP26 to ensure that that the world's looking at COP26.
0: And do you feel positive about it? Because the um, the UN climate talks in Madrid last december in 2019 the outcome of that was not super positive or as positive as people had hoped there seemed to be a lot of uh indecision and not much concrete plans made following that so for 2020 in glasgow are you feeling like there's going to be a step up i think we have to make a step up happen um
3: what happened last year in madrid um it's again it's a little bit boring um, or at least a little bit technical um, but the the point of the talks last year were to finish the so-called rule book for the Paris agreement. so it's like how are governments even going to account for emissions reductions and you know present their targets and whatever else and and that's where you start getting into the the detail of the negotiations and right. Um, There were some really key things that they couldn't resolve last year that they and that's the criticism of it. It's like if we don't even have a rule book, how how on earth are we going to get the ambition that we need this year? But we have to make it happen um, because if it doesn't happen this year, we can't afford to have, you know, another Copenhagen, um, which were the climate negotiations in 2009, where, again, for a brief moment, it looked like something was going to happen and then it didn't. And we've run out of time. If we'd spent the last, you know, 10 years taking action, we would have to work so much less hard now. But instead, in those past 10 years, emissions have kept rising. We are in a way worse
2: place now than we were then. And we have to get our act together. Mm. I think it's, yeah, it's just about people being aware and just realising how vital this is. And I don't know, it just feels like we've all... If there's loads of public pressure to to make these talks um really um sort of work and, and get some really good outcomes, then that's really gonna help. I think it's it's not we can feel sad about it after if it doesn't work, but in ahead of it, let's feel really optimistic and see what we can do to kind of push things in the direction we want them to. And relentless are... optimism. Yeah, relentless optimism. You need it in was, this business. That was what,
3: <laughs> Christiana Figueras, who led the negotiations in Paris. I think that was her kind of phrase. Just like relentless optimism. We're going to make it happen. I'm going to get everyone to ke- yeah. keep going, keep pushing. Yeah,
1: you, you, you can't give up. We've got to keep going. There's, the, the giving up's not an option because the, the catastrophe is too awful.
2: Look, look at a baby learning to walk, right? It absolutely doesn't think it's going to make it. And then eventually it does. It just doesn't give up. It's possible. So 2020.
1: <laughs> the planet's going to learn to walk.
0: Yeah. So 2020 is the year that people put their money in their their mouth, that sloganeering turns into action. I mean, last year, Billie Eilish wore the Music Declares Emergency t shirt, No Music on a Dead Planet, at the American Ooh. Music Awards, which is amazing, you know, to get that message out there. But this year is the year when that the slogans become.
1: Well, the slogans Action. need to carry on thick and fast and come louder and louder, but governments and corporations need to step up as well. And there are signs of that happening, actually.
2: Yeah, and it's about communicating that it's not, um, it's not about those micro things, you know, that, that little tiny bit of recycling here and there. It's really about the sort of macro level right now is putting that pressure on um, governments to, to act.
3: Definitely. Pressure on governments and also... Um you know, big picture. Again, this does come down to the what kind of world are we creating? Um, at the moment, the communities that are going to feel the impacts of climate change most acutely are the ones that have done the least to cause it, um, and so that is going to be another really important part of of the negotiations in December. And we have to hold our governments to account to make sure that what comes out of um, of the talks is uh,
0: something that has that kind of equity at its heart. And it makes total sense that it should be the music industry that leads the way. You know, it's about music is about creating utopias, creating worlds. You know, festivals are about creating our perfect sort of ideal mm. wonderland. So of course we should, you know, be the, the the thought leaders in this.
2: Well, if you think about a festival, it's a very um, sort of low. I don't know, Is there, I'm just saying this and maybe feel free to correct me if I'm wrong but sort of sitting in a field today it, uh, for four days listening to music you're not actually consuming that much, you might be consuming a lot of alcohol and other things but um, on that's actually one of the sort of scenarios of like this is how people can live and it's really beautiful and enjoyable and sort of enjoying those things and and seeing the, the connection that humans have with each other on, on a level that's not commercial and it's not about necessarily you know buying stuff
3: i think that there is some really interesting work happening in festival world because people realize that what we're doing with festivals we are building small cities you know you have to bring in the sanitation you have to manage the transport you have to bring in the power so there is a big movement as well to 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 link festivals with um developers of technology and universities to to trial like okay what does a new sanitation solution look like Um, you know I think they've had a few trials in places like Glastonbury and others of new machines that kind of you know purify urine and then turn it back into drinking water that you can then take also to places where you don't have running water or sanitation so that's that's really exciting. That's
0: really interesting and just makes me think about Burning Man and then also how if Burning Man really wanted to be super sustainable, eco-friendly, they should probably stop the whole burning aspect. <laughs> it should just be man, man.
2: festival. <laughs> or ideally or, 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 sort of, you woman. know, person festival. Person
0: <laughs> festival, exactly. They, should just re- they could rebrand, you know, if anyone from Burning Man is listening. You know, something to think about. Um, if anybody... Um, listening to this podcast, likes what they hear, they want to get involved in Music Declares Emergency. What can they do? There's meetings coming up, right?
1: They can sign up on the website for a, for a start and then email the group.
2: Yeah, there's um, a contact email on there and there's uh, it's right at the bottom of the website in case you're looking for it. And also if you sign up um, as a declarer, and that's whether you're um, a musician in the music industry or you can sign up as a fan or an individual who's sort of related in some way. Um, we have an osteopath that signed up. I Excellent. Currently. We've seen on our... <laughs> hey, osteopaths like music too. <laughs> um, but then you will receive all our mail-outs and stuff like that, and it's it's mainly signing up just means that you agree to our declaration, which we weirdly we haven't talked about, but um, our declaration is... Okay, here we go, testing myself. Um, Saving the best or last. Yes, absolutely. So we're calling on governments and media institutions to tell the truth about the climate and ecological emergency. That's number one. Number two is that we're demanding that um, governments put in policy immediately to re- reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions before 2030 um number 3 is recognizing the impact of the music industry and committing to taking urgent action and uh number 4 is also just recognizing that it's this whole scenario has come out of a system that is broken and it really sort of um is affecting poorer nations and poorer areas even you know within our own cities um more so than richer areas so it's just addressing that sort of imbalance and just taking that into account as well so If you agree with that, then sign up. If you don't, then, well, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Well, that is a powerful way to end.
0: Peter, Faye, Chiara, thank you very much for giving us this wonderful introduction into Music Declares Emergency. And I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Thank
1: you. Yeah, thanks, Kate. That's brilliant.